Kia ora and welcome. I'm Boris Mont, and you're listening to the New Zealand Wine Podcast. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we're speaking with Tim Bourne from Escarpment Wines in Martinborough here in New Zealand. Tim's been with Escarpment for just a few years now, and he made his way there through working at wineries in New Zealand and a couple in Australia too. So right now, let's go have a chat with Tim. So hi, Tim. Hi, Boris. Good to be here. Thank yeah, you. Thanks for coming on. Great to great to have Pleasure. you on the on the podcast. And uh, currently, you're sitting down in the um, at the winery, are you? Uh, you're in an office in the yeah, sitting in my yep. office. Uh, mm-hmm. The sun is shining outside, and yeah, everyone's loving life down here. Good, good, good. Yeah. So, yeah. How did what, where did your wine journey start? What got you into what you're doing now? Yeah, well, I, I kind of fell on my feet in a lot of ways, I, I suppose. Um, I previously studied, uh, actually, I have a Bachelor of Science majoring in geography. Um, when I first went to uni, I didn't really know what I wanted to do and kind of was just studying all sorts. And then um, sort of, you know, the student loan was ticking up and, and needed to get a degree before it got too out of control. And geography was my best subject. So I was like, oh, I'll just do that, um, not really knowing what I wanted to do. Um, and then worked in that field for a couple of years based in Wellington, actually, at what was Terralink, who I, I don't even know if they exist anymore, but down Cuba Street at, at a place called Terralink, the old lands and surveys. So mm-hmm. basically a, it's a, a mapping mapping company, so to speak. It's kind of like the groundwork behind a Google Maps. So just updating the cadastral system, the New Zealand roading system for the police, essentially was my job there, police and emergency services. But, you know, I was just clicking a mouse, wasn't really, couldn't really see a clear career path for myself. Um, so I knew it wasn't really a long-term Thing for me, so I decided to to jump overseas and, and did the whole Kiwi OE thing. Went across to the UK for for eighteen months. Didn't know much about wine before that. Didn't really. Had only probably just started drinking New Zealand Savvy actually before I left. Didn't drink red wine at all. So it wasn't it wasn't a big fan of red wine. But you know, I had started the journey I suppose at that point. And when I got over there, started started drinking red wine and. Didn't start venturing too far into it, but it was really coming home. I mean, over there, I was just working and, and traveling, and it was coming home. I, I really thought, you know, I need to need to start figuring out what I want to do, kind of, you know, the rest of my life, so to speak, whatever that means. Uh, but, you know, sort of long-term career prospect, I guess, and just started thinking more about wine coming home and, and thought, oh, it's really interesting. It seems pretty cool. Didn't know what a vintage was at that point. Didn't know, you know, didn't know anything essentially. But when I say landed on my feet, just having to come home, and it was about must have been about January because it was yeah just coming into the vintage period. So it was really easy to find a job, thankfully, uh, in Marlborough um, at, at delegates. So I managed to find work really easily, and then yeah, just absolutely loved it. Loved, loved my first vintage there, and you know, it was pretty hooked straight away. Really, so I went back and studied through EIT, and yes, yeah, still at it. 12 years later or whatever it is now. I guess it just it ticked a lot of boxes. I liked kind of the people aspect. You know, when I was at, at Terralink, it was a long time ago now, but it just felt like you're just stuck in your own bubble when you're on a computer, you're just sort of clicking away, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you definitely didn't want to do that. Even, you know, there's a lot of computer work on my job now, but um, there's a lot of other aspects as well. So I can, I can leave my desk now and go and taste wine, which is pretty cool. There's a physical aspect to it, which I always quite enjoyed, you know, and used to do laboring and that kind of stuff. So you do have that aspect, which I actually do quite like. And you've got, you know, outdoors, you can go jump out into the vineyard. There's just so many different facets to it. You know, and every region's different that you, that you work in or that you travel to. And, 
you know, it's, it's such a wide scope wine. You're always learning new things. You know, you hear varieties you've never heard of, regions, people who are making wines that you've never heard of. It's, you know, it's endless. So it's, it's always exciting and there's always new things, which, which keeps it fresh and, and interesting. And so while you were studying, where, where was your, where was your first role? So I started studying, that was pretty much straight away. So I was still working at Delegates then. Mm-hmm. Um, so after Vintage, I stayed on, managed to get a, a full-time gig. I think I only stayed there for about a year in the end. But, yeah, started studying, I think, halfway through that first year there through EIT. So I could do a part-time online, so I didn't have to stop working was kind of the key. So I'd already, you know, didn't, I wasn't ready to go back to, to full-time uni. I'd done that, and it was it was a lot of fun, but I didn't really want to do it again. That suited you quite well then, did it, just working and, and studying at the same time? And Yeah, it was great. I could do it by distance. could just do it part-time, so kind of at your own leisure, not quite. I mean, you still had dead, deadlines at assignments and that kind of thing with you, but, you know, I wasn't overloaded with full-time study, and I could extend it out if I needed to. Like, I, you know, I can't fit this paper in this year. I'll do it next year. I think, I, yeah, I can't remember how long it took in the end, two and a half years maybe, uh, part-time. Because I already had a previous degree. I didn't have to do a couple of things. So it saved a little bit of time. And did you um, move through different roles in delegates while you were studying? Or? Um, I actually started in the lab there. That was my vintage role. So mm-hmm. I started in the lab and then moved into the cellar. So once I'd kind of worked out that I wanted to, to go back and study and stay in the industry, they said, oh, you probably should jump down in the cellar and, and you know, get some experience there. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but a big, big factory, big big place. So I knew that I wanted to end up, you know, smaller, more kind of hands-on stuff eventually. I knew that pretty early on. Yes, yeah, so sorry, and whereabouts was that that you were um, located? That was at, located? at Oyster Bay, effectively, at, down in yep, Marlborough, yeah, yep. down at Delegates. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. yep. Okay. Yeah. So it was a great starting point, you know. Yes. And you've been been a big company. You learn, you learn lots. You've got all the all the toys, so to speak. So you get, you know, access to to a lot of different things. Yeah. Stylistically, it's not the kind of wines I want to make now myself, just personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it was really really enjoyable at the time. Mm-hmm. And so, when did you move on from there? Oh, geez, that would have, yeah, pretty quick. I think I just, yeah, it was only a year. So they're probably, probably grumpy that I left after such a short space of time. But, you know, it happens. Mm. They're a big place. They get over it pretty quick. Mm. Um, so yeah, moved, moved down to Queenstown for a little bit, actually, for kind of about six months, just floating through the salad at Amersfield. I was just mostly doing salad, salad all work while I was still studying. And that, that was cool because it, it again gave me another aspect, which is, I guess it's an occupational hazard when, you know, you've, you've got to present wines in front of people and you're always talking about wines. So it actually gave me some good confidence just being able to get up and speak about wines. So it was actually, yeah, quite a, quite a crucial role in the scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So about six months down there and. Yeah. And then while well, it was probably less actually in the end, probably thinking about it was probably only three or four, maybe we then, uh, my, my now wife, yeah, she, she fell pregnant, uh, accidentally, I think. And we're, yeah, we had our, our first child. So we, uh, moved back up to, to, to Christchurch. So I did, yeah, I, I jumped across the ditch and did a vintage over in, uh, my plan was oh, I'll go to Australia, make some money because you make more money over there. So I did, did, uh, did a vintage over in the great southern re- region of all places. So mm-hmm. south of, of Marg, south of, yeah, over in WA. Uh, that was really cool at a place called Plantagenet. So I spent a couple of months there. And then came back. We we had our first son actually up in uh, Christchurch, so moved up from Queenstown to Christchurch. We were moving actually the day the the first big earthquake happened. So oh. um, not the not the big damaging one, but the the first earthquake, mm-hmm. uh, the initial earthquake happened the morning we were meant to be moving. So we moved the day after that. All right to where? Yeah, 
to, oh, to Christchurch. Oh, that was actually so, moving. That's when you moved in to Christchurch. Gotcha, that gotcha, was gotcha. moving to Christchurch, yeah. yeah. So okay, so you did, back in, did Australia from Christchurch or and back? Um, oh, jeez, man, my memory's hazy back then. I must have, <laughs> I must have done it from, uh, he was born, he wasn't born until September, so I must have, yeah, I did do it from Christchurch, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. So I must have, yeah, did delegates for a year and then a few months down there and then, uh, yeah, went across and, yeah, did, did Australia from Christchurch and then came back and was, yeah, I, I did a little bit of vineyard work in Christchurch, sort of in between, milling around, but, you know, pay was terrible and, I wasn't. I wanted to get into the winery, so it was. You know, it was a hard th- thing about the New Zealand wine industry is it, it can be hard to find roles. My was kind of the place where a lot of the jobs lie, so it's sort of your best bet. But you know, I found I've had to had to move around a little bit to to kind of move into the roles that that I wanted, just because the opportunities might not be where you're living. You know, sometimes you have to to pack up ship and and move to another region, which isn't always easy with a family, but. Um, yeah, sometimes you got to do it. Yeah, 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 sure. And yeah. just so, just jumping back to the WA, what varietals were you working with with there? So there, there was a pretty pretty good Chardonnay and Riesling down that part. Actually, there's mm-hmm. some uh, they got the Primer up, so there's there's some altitude there for cooler climate stuff, and they're actually right on the coast, so they've got a southern southern coast influence. Um, so they get yeah cool air off the the southern coast, but it's still it's still warm as well. So there's Shiraz mm-hmm. and uh, Cabernet, pretty good Cabernet down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably doesn't get as hot as uh, Marg's a little bit further up. Certainly not as hot as, as Perth. But yeah, re- reasonable scope of riders. Yeah, Chardonnay, Riesling. Uh, I think we did some Semillon. There was yeah, a little bit of Pinot. Pinot wasn't probably quite as well. So probably slightly too warm for Pinot. Really. Uh, yeah, Cabernet and Shiraz was pretty good there. Right. Okay. So a bit, bit, bit of varietal, and then you, you came back. Yeah. Um, and what was what was next after that? So that was, yeah, that was back into the vineyards, actually, down in, in Christchurch. Mm-hmm. So working a place that doesn't exist anymore, sadly. Bishop's Head, a uh, small winery there, just a little family-run run place where it was just bud rubbing and shoot thinning and wire lifting, doing all that that fun kind of stuff, pruning. I think it was tail end of pruning. Oh, I must have been the start of pruning, actually, because I would have been back for winter. So did a season uh, in the vineyard and, and the start of summer. So, yeah, shoot thinning and, and bud rubbing, all that kind of stuff. I didn't do any tractor work or anything. It was all just the, the kind of manual manual work in the vineyard. But they wanted to get back into the winery. So sort of coming into that summer period, um, certainly end of the year, was thinking I'll, I'll go back to Australia and do another vintage just just because money's better, basically. Do, you know, do a couple of months over there and come back. And was applying for vintage jobs and then happened to come across a, a permanent gig, actually, as, as a seller hand in the Barossa. At a place called Two Hands, and yeah, decided to to jump at it. So move move the family over to the the Barossa Valley, right? Um, yeah, which was pretty huge at the time, but it was uh, hindsight a pretty good move, I think, in the scheme of things. We we yeah, we loved it there, made some great friends, and yeah, it's a, it's a great place. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. It's a nice uh, nice spot over there. And uh, what varietals were you working with predominantly? Shiraz, of course, Barossa yes. Valley. So all. I mean, it's an amazing place to as a you know, winemaker, a wine grower, a bit of culturalist, whatever, even a wine lover, I suppose. You know, just the, the old wine material they have there is, you know, there's nothing like it around the world. You know, there may be maybe a couple of pockets in Spain, but you know, it's all it's all stuff that's survived flocks or you know, hundred year old vines, hundred and fifty year old vines. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, great Grenache, uh, quite a lot of uh, Grenache as well. Grenache Mataro, uh, Shiraz from not just the Barossa Valley. Two hands actually. 
covered quite a wide scope. So Barossa Valley was kind of their core, but they took quite a lot of fruit from McLaren Vale. You know, Langhorn Creek, they, you know, inter, interstate kind of regions as well, they took little parcels from. So got to see quite a wide scope of, of fruit through there. Uh, Riesling, you know, again, there's some, some altitude there. So Eden Valley, Clear Valley, some, some fantastic Riesling spots. But yeah, mostly, mostly Shiraz. Uh, but all, all super premium sort of stuff, I suppose. Um, so that was really where I guess I'd probably cut my teeth making super premium ones. Um, even though it's, you know, warm climate, it's all sort of cross transferable skills, I think. So I spent two years at, at Two Hands and then another four years at a place called Sons of Eden, which is Corey Ryan. He used to, he's not a Kiwi. He's a, he's a great bloke. He's a, he's an Australian dude, but he used to hit up Villa Maria here for a few years. Uh, so quite well known in the, the New Zealand industry. Um, so that was his his venture over there. So yeah, that was fantastic. Small small winery, you know, just processing. Jeez, uh, I think first vintage we did maybe 150 tons, and then by the end of it, in in three years, uh, four years there, I think we'd cranked up to about 400 tons. So they're on a big growth trajectory at the time, um, and it was just myself and the winery effectively. Corey was still he was still working another job at that point, so he was kind of just in and out. You know, he was, he was a fantastic wine. Well, he is a fantastic winemaker. So, a really great guy to work with and and learn under. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. So, quite a, quite a bit of learning in the in the Barossa for you. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've actually been back in New Zealand. I think just as long now. It doesn't feel like it. it. Felt like we were there for twenty years. You know, it was pretty pivotal. I think in terms of my career and just you know for the family and the kids and yeah and just for us and, and life in, in general, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was one of those things where we, we had another two kids while we were over there, funnily enough, but it was one of those ones where we were like, we'd, we'd always said we'd come back to New Zealand, you know, that's where the grandparents are and family and all that sort of stuff. So it was always like, yeah, we'll come back, we'll go over there, do, do two years, and then we'll come back. And, you know, two years passes like nothing. So by the mm-hmm. time you've done two years, you've only just moved into a place, it feels like. Yes. So, we, you know, we ended up being there six years and we then, you know, at that point, we're just like, we, we've either got to go back or we're not going to because the kids would, you know, get too far through school and it would just be too hard. So we just, we just made the call and said, right, we'll just do it. And, uh, it was hard. It was hard to leave because, yeah, we had lots of great friends and, you know, from a winemaking point of view, it was an amazing place to work. Loved it. Um, and the Australian industry as well. It's a great industry there. Mm-hmm. Uh, bigger than New Zealand, you know, it's more established. They've been doing it a, a bit longer. So, um, yeah, pretty cool place to work, but you know, New Zealand's always home. So we we yeah made the call and and packed up and came back home. I don't think oh we had, we had two yeah there was we either had to sell the house or I had to find a job back here to be able to do it. Uh, so I think we sold the house first, so we came back and we was jobless essentially. But this was, was yeah again kind of approaching vintage time, but it was it was sort of end of the year December January. Uh, but yeah, ended up finding a job. Thankfully, in the end, it, it did feel like it took quite a while because I was trying from Australia and didn't have much luck, but um, ended up finding a maternity cover, actually, at again, back down in Marlborough uh, at, at Perno. So it come full circle. It had come from beginning in Marlborough to, to coming back to Marlborough. Yeah. Uh, but didn't enjoy it as, <laughs> as much as the first time. Uh, loved, loved my first stint there, but second stint. I knew I was going to struggle, to be fair, but... Um, just from a from a winemaking point of view, and and just yeah, from where I wanted to be, it wasn't it wasn't it. But uh, you know, it got us back home essentially. Yeah, and you just so you just sort of kept looking for what might be the sort of best thing for you. Yeah, to do I always, next. always had the eyes on the horizon. I mean, 
nothing, nothing to do with the people at Perno. They're all, they're all great dudes, you know. Mm. Um, it just wasn't where I wanted to be. I didn't want to be making Sab Blanc and that kind of fashion. A big place, you know, 45,000 tonnes and it's, it's all, it's just it's a juice factory. No disrespect to anyone, anyone listening, but, uh, you know, it was a computer desk job, a computer winemaking job, which I didn't, wasn't after, but, you know, like I say, it got us back home and, and got me work and got me back into the New Zealand industry. So I was certainly grateful for it. Uh, made some good connections there too. But, you know, I always wanted to get back to the, the, the coalface, so to speak. Um, you know, hands on, small, sort of super premium focus. So when, yeah, when I saw the job advertised for, for Escarpment, where I am now, I, yeah, had to apply. My wife was not happy. She, she actually saw me, saw my emails and saw that I had applied. And she's like, what are you doing? Why are you applying for this? And I was like, I just, I just want to, want to apply just to see kind of where the, where the chips fall <laughs> to see if I actually, you know, where, where I stand in terms of my career and, and if I have a shot for the job. And she's like, that's fine, but we're not moving to Marlborough. She didn't want to move. No. Um, no, her family in Christchurch. So Marlborough to Christchurch, the new highway there, it's like three and a half hour drive. So it's an easy place to get to from Marlborough. You can go drive down for the weekend. Uh, so she wasn't that happy to move to the, to the North Island. Uh, but yeah, sort of as things progressed and I got through uh, the interviews, well, I got an interview to start with and then kind of got through the, the process um, and then ended up with a job offer and then obviously accepted. Uh, it's, it still was pretty controversial. I think she's she's finally maybe got an over it. She'd still prefer to be in the South Island, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think she's okay now. <laughs> and so how long have you been with Escarpment now? So I've been here just over four years. Yep. So I started August 2018. Yeah. So 19 was my first vintage. Yeah. Um, so yeah, four and a bit years now. And yeah, um, so about, yeah, we've been home longer actually than we were in the Brossa, which is crazy. Mm. And you know, obviously quite a pedigree there with the Scartman. Yeah. Yep. Uh, again, like I say, landed landed on my feet. It's, it's one of those things where, um, and my wife did understand that where you know where the opportunity comes up, you kind of have to take it because. They don't, they don't very often, you know, you might occasionally see a job like this come up, but yeah, it certainly doesn't happen every day. Um, and then again, you've got to get the job too. So yeah, jump, jump at the chance. Absolutely. To work with Larry, of course, and, and, you know, the wines here. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's been a little bit of time in Marlborough. Not a lot. I actually grew up in Wellington. Um, it never ventured over the hill all that often, really. Came to toast once, I think, uh, but pretty hazy memories. I remember it was a good time. Um, but yeah, you know, it's uh, it is a great, great big place, the real winemaking community. Quite similar, I've, yeah. I guess the one of the things that I've struggled with in Marlborough coming back from Barossa was, um, you know, the Barossa there's a real sense of community there, run from and from a winemaking point of view, everyone works really closely together, um, really happy to share ideas, taste wines, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Marlborough, I'm sure some of that definitely happens, but at the bigger places, it doesn't seem to quite happen in the same way. So coming coming to Martinborough, there was that, that real sense again of, of community and, you know, everyone trying to help each other out and, and work together and we do lots of small tastings together and, um, you know, can happily phone each other up and ask for advice if you need to or show someone a wine you're worried about and you want someone else to have a look at or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, very collegial like that, yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Sure. I mean, we're a small place, but one percent of the industry here. So, you know, we have to have to stick together to kind of promote ourselves. I guess. Mm. You know, we're in a, in a sense we're in direct competition with it with each other, especially you know, Scarpman Artsangi, 
uh, Craggy, you know, those guys, uh, Palliser, the TK dudes, or the Foley family, you know, we're, we're all in direct competition, but, um, you know, we're all happy to help each other out. Mm. And we all promote Marnborough together, so we're, yep. we're all in the same boat, even though we're competing. Mm. Mm. Yep. And so, and so how's, how's that four years been for you? It's been fast, yeah, yeah. but it's been great. So, I mean, the Scarman have gone through a lot of changes in that time, and, you know, it's actually been all, yeah, all pretty positive stuff, so... Um, we're, we're owned by Broster Valley Winery, funnily enough, which is awesome. I love that. Being, you know, having spent time there. So we're owned by a company called Torbeck, who I, I obviously didn't work for them, you know, during my time in the Broster, but knew their wines really well. They're really respected in a global sense, a really well established brand, you know, consistently putting out 100 point wines. So they're, you know, they're, they're pretty amazing company um so that the purchase was actually already done before i got the job here the deal was done so i remember saying that and was pretty excited by that to start with when it happened um so i had to apply just just for that reason alone but um you know they've, they've done some great things for us here so the deal was done yeah before i moved up but it took two years to actually go through because the, the government had changed Jacinda labor had just come into power and they actually changed the oio rules so the overseas investment rules they try to tighten them up they weren't really too sure what they wanted originally, but, um, you know, after they kind of worked it out, which, yeah, like I say, took a long time, they realised they just wanted people to spend money, um, so invest and then spend some cash. So effectively for us and Torbeck, that meant building us a new winery, which is which is pretty epic. So not maybe the cheapest option for them, but, you know, it's certainly a, a good outcome for us. So we've just commissioned a new, well, I think it's 400 tonne, there's, there's space to grow at least to, to that size. Um, just commissioned for, for vintage this year. Oh, this office, okay. we only moved into this, um, you know, back in June, I think it was. So mm-hmm. it's all, it's all brand new over here. Mm. Um, so it's, you know, it's great. And then we can also ride on the back of them, uh, on a global sense. So they've, you know, they've got, uh, they've got their own internal sales guys in Australia, which is huge for us to, to be able to use. And then, um, internationally, they've got a, a global sales manager. Um, and you know, they've taken us from kind of seven markets to, I think we're up in, in about 25, 26 now, uh, international markets. Um, you know, and we can, we can pour our wines next to theirs, which, which is great. So, you know, a more recognized brand to be fair. Um, and you know, really great guys to work with. So it's been a, it's been a great thing for us. Mm, yeah. Great. Great. And, and, um, what, what are you working? What varietals are you working with, with now? So, uh, it's all, yeah, Burgundian focus. So Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, mm-hmm. two big ones. We do do a little Pinot, a little bit of Pinot Gris and Pinot Blanc. They're the other two whites we do. But yeah, that's it. So Pinot Noir is our, our key focus. Um, so we have, uh, our entry level is, is a product called Noir. Sits around that 35 to $40 mark. Um, we've got our Martin Barra Pinot, which sits above that, which is, is basically a selection of our, our top blocks, mostly from the estate. We've got 20 hectares planted here, uh, and from, from our best growers. And then above that, we've got four single vineyards. So we've got, uh, Kiwa, Tatahua, Pahi, and, and Kupia. Yep. So all, yeah, I mean, obviously based on the Burgundian model, we, yeah, I like to say we look to them for inspiration. We're not Burgundy, of course. We can't emulate them, really. Um, we're our own place and we've got our own identity and, you know, we're, we're pretty proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nice, nice. And um, yeah, what what's um, anything sort of on the on the horizon for you that you're sort of looking at doing, or anything sort of new? 
Uh, well, not not in terms of new varieties or anything. We're mm. pretty happy with the lineup at the moment. We just recently with the the 2020 vintage, which uh, was it? Yeah, crack of vintage. Vintage of the century, early call, but yeah, potential vintage of the century, uh, at least for the, the last 20, 20 years of the decade. I know it's, yeah, it's, the decade's only really just starting. So, sorry, the century's only really just starting. Um, but we reintroduced a, a single vineyard, uh, Gopahi that had been previously made up until I think 2014 might have been, or 2015 might have been the last Pahi, uh, which was from a, from an older block that was sold, unfortunately, that we missed out on. It's now on John's shoulders, which is going through some pretty big transformations themselves. So some cool wines anyway coming out of that place. Uh, but yeah, we, we had the name still, but didn't have the fruit. I didn't have anything kind of in between that we were comfortable that was necessarily good enough or that we had ownership of. So, you know, part of the Torbeck ownership and their kind of mantra, I suppose, is for the single vineyards, they would, you know, want to have ownership effectively or at least, you know, some, some kind of security over them. Um, so we purchased a block adjacent to us here at the winery uh, called Cobblestone back in 2019. We had been dealing with the fruit and knew it was good, but like I say, we didn't have ownership, so we didn't have the security over it necessarily. Uh, but once we once we had purchased it and then on the back of 20, uh, managed to reintroduce that wine as a single vineyard, so that, that was pretty cool. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, very good, yeah. very good. And what about for yourself personally? You come across anything recently that's sort of really piqued your interest either you know out of new zealand or maybe even something offshore you've mm. i know the guys the big sky they're, they're trying to introduce like a beaujolais style wine where you know first release like straight up to vintage just fresh and and fruity and ready to go they wanted to to get a few guys on board with that around martinborough that seemed pretty cool i thought the guys in the brossa that had to just just speak in-house all the time i suppose uh but you know the guys at torbrick have on the back of their trip actually it was last year um, maybe, oh, must have actually, maybe it was even pre-COVID, back of their trip to the Rhone Valley, they planted some other varieties, um, just as a, sort of as a climate change mitigation, I suppose. Um, you know, they planted some Sinso, some, uh, what have they planted? Some, a couple of other varieties, I forget exactly, but, uh, for the GSM blend, basically, some of the permitted, you know, Rhone, Southern Rhone varieties, um, which, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. They've introduced those into a couple of their wines, uh, just to bring some freshness and some, some kind of crunchiness back to the, to the palate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, sort of later ripening varieties as well. Yeah. I haven't been out enough over the last couple of years, <laughs> I suppose, to answer it properly. Yeah. <laughs> and what, what, um, what keeps exciting you? What, what sort of keeps you, you know, in, in, involved and engaged? Sort of, you know, day to day. Yeah, great question. Um, I guess the, the real beauty is that every year is different. You know, it might seem on paper like you're doing the same thing in some respects, but you know, every vintage brings its own challenge, challenges, its own uniqueness. So you're always making different wines. Um, so basically, we get to this stage of the year and we're starting again. You know, the, the growing season's just started again here for the, the 23 harvest. So it's. Uh, the cycle starts again, but it's just, it's, you know, it runs in a different manner to, to anything previously. So it always keeps you on your toes, keeps you guessing. You know, in a winemaking sense, you're always looking to, to improve the one percenters. So that, that's the stuff that really, it takes a long time, obviously, to do. Uh, but that's the kind of things that really elevate you to the next level is, is getting some of those things right. So you're always looking for, you know, those micro improvements over time that all add up. Yep. Yep. Cool. So, yeah. You know, whether it's playing around with new barrels or, you know, just weeding out some of the things that haven't worked in the past. It's, yeah, all those little things. 
Nice. And we, we finish on the question, if you could have any glass of wine with anyone, anywhere at any time, who and where and when and what oh, would that be? that's a great question. I did think Arnie always just springs to mind initially, uh, always have a glass of wine and have a chat with Arnie. I was always a massive Arnie fan growing up. And then when you, when you said it at the start of the interview, I was like, oh, it would be really do, cool. Do you mean Arnie, to have it with. Arnold Schwarzenegger? That's who you are Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. Massive yeah. Arnie fan. Is he a big um, wine drinker? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. I remember actually going and seeing him speak in Australia one time in Sydney, and he said part of his, uh, when he was learning to speak English, um, he, had to, he had a line that he had to learn because Germans or Austrians struggle with W's and V's, so he had to learn fine wine is growing on the vine. So I, do, I don't know if he drinks it, but I, I remember him saying that <laughs> in his army accent. Uh, but yeah, I thought it would be pretty cool actually to go, to go and have a glass of wine with, you know, one of my not predecessors, one of my ancestors, I suppose, say like two or three generations back, maybe yeah. just before oh, yeah, they, sure. they jumped on the boat to come over to New Zealand. Yes. Yeah, nice. Um, I, I think they had a different last name than me now. I think they changed their name on the way over, so it would have been interesting just to, to sit down and have a, a glass of wine with, with them back back in the UK and, and see what they were up to. Hear some stories? Yeah. Yeah, maybe they were criminals. That's why they changed their last name. They didn't go to Australia. They weren't locked up, and you know. <laughs> They, were, they changed your last name for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they might have Why just liked it. <laughs> oh, very good. Scans. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. Hey, um, thanks, Tim. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate you taking the time. No, and, no uh, problem. Yeah, excited to see what um, continues to come out of um, out of escarpment. Thanks. I mm-hmm. appreciate. Uh, yeah, appreciate you having me on. How's um, how, how? What's this year looking like for you? The this twenty twenty two. Early, got on away well, yeah. We're still in a La Nina pattern, so we could still get some some rainfall, mm-hmm. uh, sort of around that February, March, similar to what we had with 22, which was tricky. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, we got through it pretty well in the end. Uh, just yeah, it just brings pressure, I suppose. But yeah, everything's looking good at the moment. With the sun's shining, so everything's just shot away. It was a pretty slow start. Mm-hmm. Cool wet winter, not super cool, but just you know wet and and the coolness just seemed to hang around for a while, hasn't? Didn't really have much sunshine until kind of the last sort of few weeks, really. Right. Yeah. Um, but everything's looking great out there now. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, and reasonable size crops at the moment. Good crop potential. There's still still a few things that can happen between now and vintage, but yeah. geared up at the moment to you know to deliver. <laughs> nice. Excellent. Hey, thanks, Tim. Thanks again, and um, no yeah, we'll uh, check in soon. All right. Cheers. Cool. Thanks very much. We've been speaking with Tim Bourne from Escarpment Wine here in the Martinborough region of New Zealand. You can find out more at escarpment.co.nz. That's E-S-C-A-R-P-M-E-N-T. And also check out some of the other New Zealand wine stories on the NZ Wine podcast and go to podcast.nz for other great podcasts on some other topics here in New Zealand. This episode was brought to you by Bazibi.com. Let's get your business started. And you can follow NZ Wine on Instagram. Thanks for joining us and we look forward to your company again very shortly. Hey, Connor Mai, bye for now.